You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. Christian Babcock, the host of the Hunter's Advantage podcast. And what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry, talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape, as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All in all, I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high quality knowledge and information that you can trust. Stay tuned. What's up, Hunter's Advantage podcast listeners? Something happened to me about 20 minutes ago that I hope never happens to me again, and that was that I recorded a 30-minute podcast episode with my microphone on mute. So I'm really embarrassed right now, and it sucks because I'm having to completely re-record this episode, and I might keep it a little more concise because I've already talked about all this once, but... Anyways, so we're back from our annual one-week-long trip down to public land in southeast Oklahoma. It was a very eventful trip, a fruitful trip, but uh, it was good for me and and bad for Peyton and Jake, which stinks. I, I would let them speak their own piece, but neither of them wanted to get on to record the podcast. They ghosted me on the phone when I was texting them to asking them to jump on. So now I'm going to get to tell their side of the story. So anyways, we went down for our trip. Uh, this is something we like to do every, every year as a tradition. We started doing it last year. This is our second year doing it and it's been pretty fruitful. Jake and I both shot bucks there last year on this particular WMA. Carol shot at a really nice buck that pretty much ninja dodged his arrow last year. We still have that buck on camera. He's a big, gnarly seven-point. He's got kickers coming off his bases. He's a f- probably a five-and-a-half-year-old deer. He's an awesome buck. But um, So we're down there this year. We spent – you guys will see it in the Quest uh, episodes, season two, as we start rolling them out probably in the beginning of next year. But we ran 24 trail cameras before the season started. In my spot, I called a community center – we probably had 10 or 12 different bucks that I'd be happy shooting. Um, I only call the spot the community center because I've had people walk up on me there. I've had people hunting trail cams in there. I've had people hunt next to me in there. So not so much the last couple of years, but in the past, it's been one of those things where I've had people walk up on me in that spot, which is, which sucks. You know, when there's tens of thousands of acres in a spot, it kind of sucks when you're hunting within 200 yards of somebody. So anyways, I started off hunting Sunday morning, which would have been the day after Halloween. I think that was November 1st. Had some good encounters with uh, some younger age class bucks, probably 110 inch, eight, and some other smaller bucks. And uh, that was, it was pretty, pretty decently eventful first day. Saw some little bucks and I saw a pig in the evening. I think Jake had a pretty similar. pretty similar sit well no actually on the first morning I got down and told him about that 110 inch buck I'd seen and Jake was saying he had a Pope and Young class buck real nice frame you know long tines good eye guards you know what he was describing and what I saw in the video when he played it back for me was you know about 125 inch buck 
with very little deductions. It came in on him about 35 yards. He got the camera on the deer, and the deer ended up walking out to about 45 yards. There was a small limb about halfway in between Jake and the deer. Jake elected to wait um, for that deer to take a couple more steps, and he never did. So, freaking sucks. That's how that's how it ends up going sometimes. You know, you do all this work and you wait all freaking year, run all these trail cameras, spend thousands of dollars in gas just for it to go that way. But kind of the fun in it is none of it's guaranteed and you just cherish those opportunities and sometimes it just doesn't work out. So that was Jake's, I think that ended up being Jake's best encounter the entire week. And he was texting me when I was texting him trying to get him on the the actual podcast. He had something pretty funny to say. I told him, uh, I said, we all need, what did he, what did he end up saying? Give me a second. I gotta, I gotta find this. I said, all right, boys, this is yesterday. We're podcasting tomorrow. I think talking about our November hunt, Jake said, I will only have one sentence to say. I got bent over. Peyton, his one sentence that he wanted to uh, contribute to the podcast was, I got followed in, and then I got bent over. So <laughs> you can kind of see the attitude that Jake and Peyton are uh, thinking about this last week. In uh, So they didn't, they put a lot of effort in to not, uh, not shoot bucks, but you know what? That's, that's how it goes sometimes. I've been hunting down there since 2014 and have only harvested two bucks out of there. I've shot four. I've only got two of them. So that's how it goes, man. Sometimes it's your year. Like Jake, Jake last year, he killed two bucks, tagged out on public within a month of the season. So sometimes it's your year, sometimes it's not. Um, this year just happened to be my year. So anyways, Monday morning rolls around. It's still just Jake and I in camp. And I uh, got up in the tree, and it was just one of those mornings, you know, as a bow hunter, you can kind of tell when it's just one of those mornings, like one of the mornings where everything's going right, right? I checked the DeerCast app. It's all green for you guys that use the DeerCast app. Uh, The temperature's in the low 30s after having highs in the freaking 60s for most of October. So we had this huge cold snap. Um, we got a bunch of that pre-rut behavior where bucks are hitting scrapes, bucks are hitting rubs, they're starting to push does around a little bit, they're more responsive to calling, like rattling and grunting sequences. So all the things are kind of coming together at once. So on the morning I, I happened to kill my buck, I was sitting in the saddle, and it's just a great morning. I have a couple does kind of meandering about 100 yards up on the top of the ridge, and they're just working around, eating eating acorns, just kind of like they normally do. I'd move my stand up there closer to them, but, you know, that just seems to be kind of where the does hang out, and the bucks kind of hang out more in the bottom. So I uh, had a couple of does hanging out, and then probably about 7.30, I hear what sounds like two bucks hitting some horns together, and then some trampling coming to the woods. Well, it ended up being just a big pack of hogs, like 10 of them came in so I'm kind of messing with my camera trying to get it real zoomed in on one they're sitting there like 10 yards so I can't get the get the one on camera they ended up going out to about 20 yards so I wrap my camera around the tree 
I swing out to the right side and out of my saddle, got my bow, and the first, the unlucky one was sitting there at 20 yards, and I just hammered him, just heart shot uh, with the prime next four, full pass through, runs 30 yards, it's just spraying blood out of that exit wound, it's some awesome footage, you guys will see it on the YouTube channel here soon, but just spraying blood, that the big, big boar in that pack walks over and starts like chewing on the hog that I just shot, and this hog is just screaming after I shot him, so it was a, that was a pretty cool occurrence, you know, I've already seen a few does, just shot a pig, and I'm sitting there doing the interview for me talking about just shooting this pig, you know, hey, anytime I'm deer hunting and a pig comes in on public, it's always, it turns into a pig hunt, so that happens, and as I'm talking, I get cut off because I see a real nice buck up on the hill, like 120 class buck, sitting up on the hill, working across me about 75 yards, I'm like, hey, I gotta go, so I get the camera on this buck, and what's funny is it ended up being the buck that I shot about two hours later, but I didn't realize that until later on when I actually got the footage back on my PC and I was able to blow it up. My buck had a real distinctive kind of like Nike swoosh on his left main beam, so I was able to identify the buck based on that. He had the same swoosh in the trail cam pictures we got this summer, so it was really cool. I just knew he was about 120 class buck, uh, just real close to Pope and Young. Just didn't have any eye guards, you know, just little bitty nubs, one inch eye guards. So I saw him work off, tried to, tried to rattle at him, tried to grunt at him, just wasn't interested in any of that. So that kind of sucked. I was doing an interview talking about that, and here comes another pig. That pig moseys off the top of the hill, down into the bowl, and starts eating on the pig that I've already shot. So I'm like, gosh dang, like maybe I should maybe I should shoot this one too. And I'm like, oh no, you know, I don't want to watch a $50 arrow run off in the woods if I don't get a pass through. Well, I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, if I can get this shot in slow-mo, I'll do it. So I got I set my Panasonic GH5, I put it in 4K60 for which for you guys that aren't like camera nuts, it's like ultra slow motion, high quality 4K footage. I'm trying to get the camera lined up on him. I got my GoPro rolling, and I'm about to get in full draw on this pig. And he just eventually finds out that something's up and runs off. So I'm like, dang, that, that's fine, you know. I didn't really care to shoot another pig. But I'm sitting there in my saddle, and it's about, about 940. And I'm just kind of reflecting on the morning, you know. Yeah, so I'm just reflecting on the morning, thinking, hey, I saw a Pope and Young class buck. I saw a big group of pigs, shot a pig, got it on film, saw another pig, uh, saw some does. Like, apart from shooting a buck on public land, like, there's not many things that could happen that would make this morning any better. And as I'm sitting there, I got these little 8-ounce cans of Red Bull. I got one stuck in the side of my pack because we're smashing bang energy drinks, rains, I got to drink one every morning at five in the morning just to get up and have enough energy to get to that morning hunt. So I bring a Red Bull because it seems about like, you know, about 10 o'clock when you start to get down that you're dragging again. So I got this Red Bull. I kind of, any saddle hunter, any guy, any guys in the, that listen to the podcast or saddle hunters will appreciate this, but I let out a bunch of line out of my tether and I got down into this natural kind of squatting position that you get in as a saddle hunter kind of when you want to rest your feet. So my knees are up in my chest but they're up against the tree. 
um, my feet are kind of up against my butt, sort of in the squatted position, and I'm just hanging out, you know, 947, drinking a Red Bull, and I hear one leaf crunch, and all the leaves are on the ground this year, so it's hard for stuff to sneak up on you, but it just seems like they kind of always do, and I look to my right, I poke my head around, and it's that buck that I had seen two hours previously. He has circled, I mean, probably a thousand yards all the way around me and came back up on the complete opposite side. And I've got hundreds of yards of coverage, so I could see him walking through that brush. Never saw him. And he pops up on me, and I'm in a terrible position. I got my knees in my chest. I got a Red Bull in one hand. So, and my camera is probably three and a half foot above me. Hit record on the camera. It's on the opposite side of the tree. So I just kind of put put it in a position where I think he's going to be. I get my bow off the rack. I have to swing it over the top of my tethered. And I'm in a terrible uh, shooting position here. I lean out to the right side of the tree. And as I do that, it's just a super uncomfortable position. You know, I'd like to be standing, putting some side pressure on my out on a limb platform. But I'm really just kind of sitting with my feet together. I'm not trying, I'm trying to not crush the Red Bull can that is in between my feet at the time. But my, my pin settle, my pin, pin settles on the deer and it's low i know the deer's past 20 yards he's sitting at like 26 yards and my my pin's on 20 i don't have time to range him you know he's walking out of my life he's at a 45 degree angle i don't know what i'm gonna do about that so i'm like okay let's aim let's aim behind you know back on him about mid-body so i just couldn't seem to get my pin high as high as i wanted it i wanted it about six seven inches above uh his the white spot on his belly you know to hit him about mid-body what would look like to be the guts but I knew at that angle, I'm going to sneak through there and get along on the way out, and I'm going to be good. Well, you guys will see in the footage soon on YouTube, but I kept squeezing, kept pulling through my shot. My pin just never raised. It just settled right there. Shot broke, and I hit him low. Hit him probably an inch above the white piece on his belly, and he runs out to about 50 yards, stops, turns back, and at this point, I'm freaking out like, trying to load another arrow up in my quiver. Um, got one out of my quiver and trying to load another one up because I'm like, hey, I can make another 50-yard shot. I'll put another one in him. Well, he runs out to 100, stops, and looks back again. At this point, I can see that offside shoulder, and I can see that the arrow has exited right in the armpit of that offside shoulder where, you know, in a broadside shot, that'd be exactly where a heart shot would be. Well, I pull up my binos, and I just see that that one side of his body is just completely painted red. And I'm like, okay. He walks off real slowly. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get down, grab my arrow. So I went, got down, grabbed it. No guts, complete liver shot, that dark liver blood. If you guys are ever hit a deer further back than you'd like and you see this dark um, borderline brown kind of blood, like it's just a dark, dark red, that's liver. That's a four to six hour death time. That deer is going to die. As long as he's not bumped, he's going to die. So... I was trying to just give him enough time. I backed out. I went and talked to Jake. And Jake hadn't seen anything that morning. Went and talked to him. He was confident in the shot, a lot more confident than I was. And I feel like that's easy to do when you're not the one shooting. You kind of allowed, you're sort of allowed to analyze it from a different perspective. So I'm feeling terrible about it. I show Justin, my uncle who's there, show his friend Jordan and his friend Jared. And they're like, oh, that's a dead deer. Let's go back. Let's eat breakfast, and we'll come back. I'm like, all right, fine. So 
We go back, cook breakfast, we're all eating. Of course, I'm reviewing the footage like 20, 30 times as we're sitting there, and everyone's like, you need to quit looking at that. It's a dead deer. You know, quit worrying about it. And I'm just like, man, I don't know. Like, I've had bad experiences down here. These deer are so freaking tough. I just, if you don't make a perfect shot and you don't see them fall, I just don't have any confidence. So Peyton shows up at this point, you know, the perfect time to show up because, we're hey, we're about to go track a deer. So he's like, all right, let's do it. So we eat some of Justin's, uh, yes, he makes these like McGriddle sort of things, like a knockoff McDonald's McGriddle at camp, and we eat those and we roll out. So we roll out, get back to the first impact of blood, which ends up being my Red Bull can. I sat it there to mark it, and we're just following stand-up blood for 120 yards of where I've last seen the deer. It's just stand-up blood spraying out both sides. Ray Charles could have freaking followed this blood trail. I mean, it was easy easy to see so we get up there and this is where i start to lose my confidence because it goes from as if anyone's been bow hunting long enough you you've seen this story play out many times it goes from amazing blood to specs very quickly and after grid searching for about i don't know probably 20 minutes justin starts to utter the last word you ever want to hear as a bow hunter is hey you got any service and i'm like why and he's like, uh, start looking for a tracking dog, like a blood tracking dog. And I'm like, I, I'm pissed off. I don't even think I said anything to him. I was just, at that point, you're just mad that you've made that sort of shot. You know, you could have took a little bit more time and settled in and just made a better shot, and it would have all been fine. Well, I didn't, so I got to live with it. So anyways, um, there's this mode path that goes in between these two bottoms in this spot that I hunt. And Jared goes on one side of the mode path, and we're still looking on the other. Well, I'm sitting there looking probably a few minutes after Justin's talk about the blood trail and dog, and Jordan says, uh, hey, your deer's up here on the road. And I'm like, I'm like, quit messing with me. And Justin's like, he's not messing with you. Go up there. And like, that would be a sick joke if he's just messing with you. So I run up on the road, and I'm like, oh, did he die on the road? That's kind of crazy, you know? And uh, Jordan said no. I just watched him walk off. He ran down the road. I'm like, what do you mean? And Jordan's like, oh, no. Like, Jared found four beds over here and jumped the buck up, and he was running down the road. Like, it's not a road by any means. It's a mowed path, but he's running down the path. So you'll see it in the footage. But I take off running down this path, and as I'm running down it, I just see all this blood to the left of my foot. Just it's The blood trail is open again, like, it's just spraying out of out of this that one side, and I'm just watch watching it, watching it. And I actually run past it, and I come back and I see where the deer is kind of cut in into the grass, back into this tall oak oak flat, and there's a bunch of briars, bunch of grass. I'm like, all right, let's stop here on the mowed path. Let's talk about it, and we'll just we'll just give him a minute right here. You know, he's gonna die. We should have just gave him a little bit more time in the beginning because we knew it was a liver hit, but we didn't. We only waited about three and a half hours. We needed some more time. But anyways, we're all sitting there having a conversation, and after about five minutes of just sitting there talking, Jordan looks over at me, and he's like, dude, this deer is right here. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, no, he's like seven yards right here in the brush, laying down, looking at us. And I look over to my left, and this deer, all I see is a big rack sticking out of the grass, and he's just sitting there staring at us. That's how hard he had been hit. That's how close he was to death. Is he got? He was letting us sit seven yards from us, and he was not gonna get up. So I pulled out an arrow, 
took another shot, boom, hit him. His legs were folded up above his vitals. I hit him right in the elbow pocket and broke that leg. Well, he didn't even get up. I put another arrow in the quiver, pulled back, settled on him. We got this all on video, and I threw a third shot, boom, double-lunged him. He got up, ran over, ran 30 yards, fell over, and we did, he just took his last few breaths. So that's about as opposite as I would ever like to kill a deer. But that's how I ended up getting it done. I can't wait to show the footage to you guys because it doesn't even look, the story doesn't even sound believable because, you know, it's just such an odd circumstance to find a deer and where you have to shoot it two more times on public land. You made us work for it. So in a short, like 20 minutes, cliff note version for all you guys that saw my uh, public land harvest this year, that's how it went. Uh, ended up scoring the deer. He scored basically right at 120. We were conservative with the score, so he could have been a little bit bigger than that. But really, what he is, he's a, you know about a a Pope and Young quality buck that's just missing Pope and Young quality eight point without any eye guards. And I was just tickled pink to get this deer. I mean, he was a freaking awesome buck. I think he's probably a three-year-old buck, but you know, my standards and my age classes go way down when you're bow hunting on public land. You got other people's competition in there. Um, so I was just really excited to get the buck, especially to get it on film and get to spend, uh, get to share that crazy story with friends and family while we were there. We had an awesome week just camping out, hunting, eating. Um, my uncle ended up shooting two more nice bucks there. Uh, his buddy Jared Lee ended up shooting about 125 inch buck. Peyton had a opportunity at probably 130, 140 inch eight. Jake had an opportunity at a Pope and Young quality eight. Um, not really. Neither of those opportunities were just gimmies or chip shots, and really just didn't really have the right uh, lining up of circumstances to make shots on those deer. So an arrow wasn't released, but. You know, it it was a a week full of opportunity. It was a week spent uh, just hanging out with the guys. It was super cold, so we got to we got to test out our wall tents capabilities. And let me just give you a piece of advice: if you ever plan on going camping and it's going to piss pour rain for an entire day, cover up your firewood because we couldn't get a fire going in the our little uh, camp stove for the next four days, and I froze my butt off. So. That's just one piece of advice for you guys that are going public land hunting. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I wanted to share on Hunt Talk Episode 5. Jake ended up going home, and after that crazy week and having uh, several bucks come into a rattling and grunting sequence that he did back in Vanita. So, it's that time of the year, man. Bucks are chasing. They're starting to chase. They're aggressive. You can decoy them right now. This is my favorite time of the year. October, I love hunting October, but no sweet November. There's a reason it's called sweet November in the deer hunting community because it's the best month of the year to hunt. So I know it can be a grind being away from friend, being away from family, and you know, having to use your PTO to go hunt this time of the year. But uh, there's there's no better time, and we only get to do this for a few weeks out of the year. So if you guys are having any success this year, or maybe you're not, and you just want to talk a deer hunting strategy, or you want to show us a picture of your recent harvest that you're proud of. Um, send us a message on Instagram hunters underscore advantage on Insta 
and we'd love to just talk hunting with you guys. That's all we, it's a ton of what we think about during the day. And it just, uh, it'd be awesome to hear from some of the listeners about how you all seasons are going. So feel free to send us a message there. Uh, thanks for tuning into the podcast and listen to hunt talk episode four and another episode that I'll tell you guys to keep uh, your eyes out for is tomorrow, um, November 11th, going to be recording an episode with my good buddy, Tom Parker. He's a board member of the Oklahoma Backcountry hunters and anglers, and he is an adult onset hunter. So he's a pretty much a brand new hunter started as an adult. We're going to talk about some of the challenges of that and how he got started in the outdoors. So that's going to be a cool podcast episode. That'll be available this Friday, November 12th. Make sure to keep your eyes out for that. And one more thing, if you guys could please leave us a rating review on the Apple or Spotify charts, whatever you're listening to the podcast on, that would help us a ton. Please leave us five stars. If you think the episodes are worthy of it, if not, just leave us, please leave us an honest review. That would help us a lot. It'll help us reach more hunters um, and it will help us to advance and preserve the sport and traditions of hunting. So anyways, thanks for tuning into the episode, guys. Uh, We will see you guys in the next one. One more quick thing that I wanted to address is this Blue Yeti microphone that I'm using to record the podcast isn't the best. It kind of picks up a lot of noise of me breathing, and I've got some really hateful YouTube comments about it. So um, don't worry, guys. I put a brand new Shure SM7B podcasting mic on my Christmas list. So hopefully I'll get that new microphone and I'll be able to improve the quality of the podcast audio that you guys are seeing on your end. But I really appreciate you guys tuning in even through some of the background noises and stuff that you guys can hear. Thanks again, guys. Hey guys, appreciate the listen to the Hunter's Advantage podcast. 